Hello and welcome to Beheaded. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 8. I'm Megan Moore. And I'm Elizabeth Black. And you are here because you love... Torture. Dark execution. <laughs> oh, this is Murder. a fun game. Hold on. Let's. Okay. Oh, you okay. say word. I say word. Ready? We're just gonna say words. Yeah. At each other. Yeah. Death. Guillotine. Give Blood. it. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, give me one. Oh give me one. Give me one. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> and if we get the same, same, if we get the same one. Okay. Ready? Okay. All right. One, two, three. Block. Murder. I keep saying the same things. I know. I say Did I say murder already? already? I think you already okay. said that. Okay, go ahead. One. Executioner. <laughs> Damn okay, it. This is a terrible game. Um, well, give me one more chance. Give me one more chance. All right. Okay, let me think of it first, and then okay. we'll, we will go. All right. Okay. One, two, three. Dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> Boiled alive. Yeah. I'm bad at, well, no, I'm good at word association games. I'm not good at shouting out words randomly games. <laughs> We're like that, that. Um, stepbrothers when they yell out. The, we oh were supposed God, to yeah. say the same thing. Yeah, we're sorry. not. I mean, we're kind of in tune because we everything we say tune. is about. I think if you gave us association words, like you gave us a word and then we both have to say word associated with that, we'd be really good All at right, it. All right, let's try that. Ready? Oh, oh how's that going to work? Who's going to be the word keeper? Oh, we need a third person. Kind of. Unless you want to just throw out a word and then we both say an associated word. Okay. Ready? Okay, yeah, sure. Say the word. Um, piano. Ariel. Little Mermaid. Oh! <laughs> That's pretty good. I think that counts. I don't even know if we can explain that. It's the only we don't need song. To explain. It's the only song I know on the piano. Uh, every time I was at Megan's for a while, like at the beginning of the pandemic, I would like walk in her house and I would hear her upstairs just go do 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 do. off key i was like i get it i know what she's doing and i still only know that one song that's that's still good you know you got this whole keyboard set up behind me you should take a picture of that Mm, i have the worst allergies right now i'm so sorry if i'm like sniffling i'm trying not to i've been i've been allergic all week i think it's just ugly little tissue paper no that is ugly you need a hanky like a cute little monogrammed hanky you put in your lapel that'd be cute it would say beheaded on it but right now you just have a roll of toilet paper you're tearing from i could stuff it up my nostrils and just be really cute please don't it's just allergies i've been sniffly all week Uh, too just in in the desert here we're in arizona for Mm -hmm. those who have not listened to every episode um the the dust the dirt i'm just oh it's just everywhere it's so dry here i've been bad i've been doing allegra like daily the only Mm. reason i didn't do it today is because i took it last night late so i have to wait 24 hours before i take another pill because i'm responsible um oh no i overdose on that (laughs) you're like excuse me there's a 24 hour rule half a bottle i go to they're just like oh literally you're on i had one in my hand this morning and i almost popped it and then i was like wait Elizabeth, you can't do that. Like you gotta, you gotta make sure this goes. You know, this is a twenty-four hour rule here. Um, so I, I didn't do it, just so we all, we all are clear. That mm. I've been doing Vicks Vapor Rub every night on my chest and, oh, and my nostrils. Gosh, do you just, do that? No, it reminds me of when I was sick as a kid. Exactly, it's no. kind of comforting. Mm-mm. I put like covers up high, and I'm like, ooh, I'm in like a Vicks cocoon. Okay, I do have a question for you. Oh. When you have your choice of, yeah. like, an artificial flavored something of sorts. Like a medicine? hmm Okay. Do you get grape or Ooh. do you get cherry? Cherry. 
Okay, here's my next theory. But cherry does suck. Now that I say it, I don't like it. No, but listen. Okay. I have a theory. When you were a kid, Mm -hmm. did your mom give you grape Benadryl or grape, like, whatever? No, she gave me cherry. Oh, okay. You just broke my theory You're thinking whatever your mom gave you, you want opposite? Is that what you're thinking? Everyone else I've ever spoken to, they, like, Jake cannot stand cherry, but his mom gave him cherry medicine. And he likes grape. Well, okay, it's funny you say that because I don't take anything that's cherry-flavored now. I've only taken cherry things as a kid. Okay, but, like, think about, like, a lollipop, like, one oh, of those, like, little dum-dums. I don't like you had your cherry See, if you had the choice. Oh. Like, you associate yeah, you're kind of right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Because I do, like, I do associate anything cherry-flavored. Even, okay, Baskin-Robbins. Mm-hmm. They're like cherry sundae mm-hmm. or whatever is all like what even even their like strawberry their black cherry or yeah oh like the just the, the, the like the red liquid they put on top of their ice cream and sometimes it's cherry sugar. sometimes it's strawberry regardless doesn't matter because mm-hmm. it tastes like everything I drank as a kid in medicine and I don't like that mm. so I, I get what you're saying I think I could write a whole thesis on this yeah. I've I've interviewed enough people and I think it's true <laughs> no that is true you're, you're right I just don't like my med I don't really take medicine at all anyway but if I do take medicine as an adult it's like Dayquil or Nyquil and those don't really come in flavors <laughs> no you're not a child <laughs> <laughs> no I take just the, the adult shit that puts you to sleep mm. <laughs> Um, what do you, what did you take as a kid? Grape. And now you like cherry. Yeah, I cannot do grape. But what do you you drink that's cherry? You like Benadryl? As a kid? Well, no, now. Like lollipops and, you know. I'm trying to think like, yeah, no, like sugary, like candy, little, like hard candy, like like Jolly Ranchers, you know? Oh. Like I don't like grape Jolly Ranchers. I I like cherry. I get that. And I always had grape as a kid. Makes sense. I like this theory. Yeah, I think it's a real do more thing. Research on it. Speaking of, I was as sick as a dog this week. Oh, I'm sorry. My husband had the stomach flu, Ew. and I was a terrible bedside nurse to him. I, it was one of those like middle of the night, <laughs> like bad. I won't get into details. Um, and it definitely wasn't food poisoning because we ate everything the same that day. Oh, no. But I was so I, I can't be around sick people. Yeah, like he was, you know, doing. I like doing started gagging thing. because <laughs> I like couldn't handle it. And then we were both just like throwing up together. He's like, "You're sixty. I'm like, "No, I just can't handle this situation." Yeah. So I felt bad because I wasn't that great of a nurse. And I just was kind of like throwing him like things like here's some towels here's okay good luck yeah best best with you and um three days later i got it middle of the night and sweet jake was up every 30 minutes and i was just like saying no go back to bed like i don't need you how are you and i felt like he was one-upping me just a little bit like he was doing a way better job than i ever was he was like rubbing my back and like get it up girl like you're just like selfish reasons so Maybe. he could hold it over you The later. whole next day, he was so nice, like, brought me Jello and whatever Ooh. I needed. Do you crave Jello when you're sick? When you're that sick and I couldn't keep anything I down. Guess so, yeah. Like, this was at, like, the 18-hour mark and I was starving because mm. I couldn't eat anything. Yeah. I was like, all I want is, like, a little – that's what made me think of it. Sorry, I was thinking of this. Oh. I was like, all I want is, like, some cherry Jello. Interesting. It was the only thing I could really keep down for, I've like, 24 hours. That. Yeah, that's a good thing to have, And a I banana. Guess. Yeah, I can always do bananas. I could do any form of bread, really. Yeah, I had, like, all I ate that day was one piece of, like, not even a half a piece of toast. Yeah. Half a cup of Jello. 
yeah. like a third of a banana. I lost like a good five pounds. It was one of the best <laughs> diet bikini ever ready. Had. No, no, that's yeah. terrible. It was Megan's I would ready for summer. I would here. not put that on my worst enemy. I'm told it was only a 24 hour thing, but it was yeah, it was not fun and. I was, but I was thinking like medicine too, and yeah. I was trying to drink Pepto Bismol, which is when you're already nauseous, and that's what's supposed to make Ooh, you feel better. That does not make you feel better. That's so upsetting to your tummy. Yeah, it was. It's funny because no. I feel like I've had that less, like these situations left ever since work from home, because like. When you would go into an office, you'd always just be like, okay, I have to, like, bring myself to the office. So you wake up early. Sometimes you'd get much sleep, Mm -hmm. you know, or you force yourself to exercise or whatever. Like, you just, like, force your routine. And that, when I was at least going into an office, obviously, like, sometimes would make me sick. And now I think both work from home, you're just like, I could sleep for another half hour. Like, I feel like you're just, like, a human more. I – yeah. You can give in to your, like, you know, I could not imagine walking into work, even on Friday when I was – because I called out on Thursday mm-hmm. because I, I I was ambitious at the beginning. I was like, I'm going to do a half day and just start late. Right. And then by 12, I was like, I cannot lift my head off. You like, can't even look at my yeah, computer. Yeah, I can't even. <laughs> yeah, everything was making me sick. Um, and I was thinking even the next day. I worked because I was from home and I just had my laptop. I could not imagine going into the office. And no. we used to do that. And there are – We used to push we, through. There are people who still do that. That's good for you guys. Good for if everyone who gets themselves together and goes into an office. Getting into an office. Or anything. Yeah. Any, any workplace. It's so funny. Even last week, I, like, I went into the office and I met a few of our coworkers because we were just like – we're, like, actually closing our office right now. So it's kind of a sad, like, move of, like, let's go to the office and, you know, start to shut things down kind of thing. So I met, like, five of our coworkers, and it was so weird. I was like, oh, my God, I got up, I showered, I got clothes on, I drove to an office. We all got there, and we were kind of in this weird, like, daze. We went to lunch together, and then we were all like, remember when we used to do this, like, every day? Like, I would how? just, how I would we just do take this? coffee breaks just to, like, step away yeah, for a little bit we had to so it's so Ugh. it was so weird to see it was just like oh yeah this used to be our life and now we're just like you know and i don't i want i don't want to say easy because work from home is not that easy because you blur a lot of lines between personal time and work time and it, it is still hard see, i'm the opposite like for me i feel like i don't give myself a break work from home because well, i'm, I'm saying, like yeah you just sort of assume you're oh like, yeah, on, yeah you know yeah. yeah i'm just like i don't i'm taking my lunch but i'm just gonna like Beyond. Doing, yeah. yeah, it's I'm like you have coffee, but you're on. at your computer. Like you have lunch, but you're at your computer. It's yeah. like at least in the office, you would like step away. I'd be like very intentionally, yeah. I'm going to go walk to Taco Bell to get out of the- Oh, remember our Taco yes. Bell runs? <laughs> we would go and get the party packs. Uh, the Taco Bell Cantina. <laughs> yeah, we had a cantina right next to our office, which so not good. that we participated during work work hours, but oh, they had could never. <laughs> they had tequila at this Taco Bell. It was awesome. We it was also a great late night place. Our office was in a very downtown college district. Yeah, so it was where all the bars and the college kids were, and then oh. Elizabeth and I just going to get Taco Bell in the <laughs> we're middle of like, the afternoon. Hey, we're in our thirties. We can be here. Yeah, but there there was great things. Anyway, I don't want to go too much on about that. Yeah, but, but um, R.I.P. Like office life. Yeah, you know? it was nice. We had a good run. It was a thing. It's weird that we just don't have to worry about that anymore. And a lot of people do. Yeah. We got very lucky we're, in my mind. We're, we're drinking wine on a weekday night, school night, school night, and we got things to talk about. We did do an African. St- 
do cooking class through our job. We did. Tonight. That was really fun. Yeah, our, our work hosted a really cool West African um, cuisine class tonight. We made West African peanut stew. It's good. Which is really fun. And Megan and I, like, did it together. Like, you know, she minced the garlic while I, like, minced the ginger. And we both chopped up sweet potato. But it was just that. It was, like, it was like garlic, uh, ginger, sweet potato, onion, just, like, tomato in a big paste. broth. Yeah, of tomato paste and peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And peanut, that was what was strange. Like, yeah, like, sweet potato, tomato, onion, peanut, peanut butter. butter. But it was really good and, like, thick. Mm. You know, and and you had barley. Put, you had put collard greens in it and barley at the end, um, and then you at the end, like the very end when it's finished, you put cilantro on top and a little bit of crushed peanuts, and it was, it was just really, really good. good. It only took us an hour to make. I wouldn't think it was African, though. I well, it that's felt what Megan asked. Like, she's like, she's like, what about this is African? We have like Jif peanut butter. <laughs> it felt more Thai because of the peanut and cilantro. That's and- true. I mean ginger yeah i i mean i guess i don't know i i thought peanuts were more of a caribbean thing than an african thing Hmm. i'm not sure but it was it was very good and we had this great chef who kind of walked us through i wish she talked a little bit more like again maybe culturally like where it was from or like why it was west african or whatever but it was a fun class it was we made it it was delicious um but because, I mean, we had this night planned and we've also had one of these executions planned, but we're like, how about because we're doing this specific class tonight, we do like a cool voodoo episode. Ooh. We always like to theme our shows with our consumption of the evening. <laughs> really, everything's based on food and wine in life. You know, you just work around that. Um, um, even more themed is mm-hmm. to kind of give you a glimpse of what we're going to be talking about. Mm. Our wine is called Carnivore. Carnivore. Which I think, okay, not to like spoil it, but I think we had this on a different episode. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought we one. were so unique. It is unique, but I think we did this before. It's good wine. I like it. But I like it. It's just what a, is it, a cab? It's just a cab, California, 2019. Um, did you do this tear or is that part no, of it? that's part of the label. Ooh, I like that. It looks like there's like a label. claw, like someone like... Exactly. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, cannibalism this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Just light. It's fine. It's very light. Um, But yeah, we've been talking about doing something kind of kind of tribal and African for a while. But this is a really cool, uh, you know, time to do it because we're near the anniversary of this big execution that happened in Haiti. You know what I was just thinking? What? In this very literal second. This is also the anniversary of another execution that we've done. You're thinking of uh, Catherine Howard. Yeah. Yes. We just had her anniversary. We did. And this, I think it's the same day, actually. Cause she That's what I'm saying. February 13th. Yeah, February 13th. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally the same day. Yeah. So, okay. And I'm going to be bad because I can't remember her execution date. 15... Ooh. Oh, 40-something, I'm going to say 42. Sure, because Anne Boleyn was 30. It was 42 or 43. Anne Boleyn was 33 when she became queen. I can't remember which year she was executed. That's really bad of me. I should know that. Anne Boleyn, 1536. Thank you, 1536. So, yeah, Catherine Howard must have been just a few years after. Um, Yeah, she's 42. Nice, good for you. Do you know all the dates of all the wives? No. Oh, that'd be good. I mean, there's only six. Well, only, only two are executed. Well, I mean, any, like, death day of the wives. Um, I know Catherine of Aragon was also January 1536, but I couldn't tell you so the actual year. date. Okay, so 36, 36. Jane, Jane Seymour, Seymour was 
38 no 39 oh this is a fun game we're all about the wait i love this okay this is a great game uh talk about like my my i I googled jane seymour and it's like the actress from (laughs) (laughs) not that jane seymour 1537 night whoa one year Uh okay october 24th so like a year and a half after it's 36 37 i don't i don't know anna please she died after she was older her and Catherine parr were both older so i don't i don't know their deaths but what if anna cleaves just outlived everybody because she's Badass. She was 1557. She might have. Let's look at Catherine Park. Okay. She was the last one. So 4257. And drum roll, please. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. 48. Shut up. Anna Cleves won. Anna won. Okay. What a bad bitch. I would <laughs> sing her little song all day. Get down. Well, we got how do we always bring it back to like the six wives of Henry VIII. <laughs> this is we're, a voodoo episode, damn it. We're talking about voodoo and cannibalism. We still got it back to wow. Henry VIII. Yeah. We'll do a Tudor episode soon. I know we've been very unique this season, I feel like, where we've done – we've tried out some new things. Yes. And, and I want to thank you for being patient while we've kind of worked through some different styles. Like, for example, um, our Roman Coliseum executions. I, I got some feedback on that. I didn't tell you the feedback. I oh, didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, bad, indifferent. <laughs> it, I mean, I think it was just a very different setup. And yeah. it, some people thought maybe it was disorganized, which was funny because I felt like we were the most organized with that because we literally laid out we what did. each of us were going to talk. But it was, but it's because it wasn't linear, you <laughs> yeah, know? It, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a start death, to finish. Right, kind of thing. Um, and then don't even get me talking about freaking Broomhilda because <laughs> I when I got done with my part I literally who gave you that feedback that's ridiculous. that's my own feedback I <laughs> threw down my notebook and was like I've never there was saying chill to bear again there was a point where Megan just threw down her notes and she's like I'm not doing this <laughs> What is this? I almost didn't publish it. Fake episode. I considered it. It was. I thought it was quite good when I listened to it. I'm glad you have high. There was only like one part. I was like, "Mm, mm -hmm." (laughs) but the rest I thought was pretty okay. Pretty pretty linear. Okay, bringing it back. Speaking linear. Let's go. (laughs) Um, we are talking about voodoo, and I will only sing the song once. Go ahead. The voodoo that you do of voodoo. Isn't that the words? (laughs) <laughs> you don't even know the song and you're singing it? Salt and Pepper? Oh, I thought you were talking what about... What are you singing? The Princess and the Frog. You sing it. I got voodoo, I got hoodoo, I got things you ain't even tried. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But don't blame me, blame the man on the other side. Isn't that how it goes? I think so. I've, no, I've got friends, I've got friends on, on the other side. side. That's a great one. I did my senior thesis on Princess and the Frog, fun fact. Anyway, <laughs> let's jump into this specific episode. I'm just staring at Elizabeth. Like, uh-huh. Okay. Um, so this specific episode is about the Biziton Affair execution from 1864 in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Mm. Um, there's a few ways to say that again because Haiti uh, predominantly speaks French. Biziton is the way I'm pronouncing it, but it, you might have heard of it as the Biziton Affair. Um, but essentially, it is 
eight Haitians who were executed for a cannibalistic murder that took place in 1864. Um, So there's a lot of things involved in this. We're going to start with kind of the backstory of voodoo in this region and how it led up to these eight Haitians being executed. And again, obviously at this point in time, there's a lot of different sides to the story. So we'll try to give each side enough weight because it is one of those things where it's like history is written by rich white men type of thing, right? So so a lot of this is like, oh, this is these are the terrible things they described and the crimes that they did. But we're going to unpack it a little bit and say, well, like, this is what, you know, was said to have happened. These are what we know are some of the beliefs of voodooism. And kind of go from there. Um, and again, always welcome to feedback. So if you have anything to say, we know a few of our listeners are uh, from really cool areas of the globe that are a little more familiar with this content. So feel free to give us some feedback, especially being so close to Mardi Gras as we are. That's kind of cool. Don't tell us we're disorganized. We, are, we already know that. We're, we're aware. I think that's why you listen, right? Because you like the, the you know, weaving and... <laughs> We've been throughout history. If I could tell you the amount of times that Elizabeth has been shimmying, and oh, she, she just shimmies because it's a voodoo just, episode, so I shimmy on this, and I shimmy normally. I guess I get excited and when I you like when this. you get excited, you shimmy. I think. It's really, <laughs> anyways, okay, continue with that's your, why we don't have a YouTube channel because <laughs> of the shimmying. Uh, anyway, but this is this is what put voodoo on the map in a bad way, what gave voodoo like a bad image, essentially. So let's go into a little bit of the background of voodooism. So voodoo, and again, we've learned recently that voodoo is also pronounced in like different ways and people say it differently, spell it differently for the purposes of our episode, because Megan and I are 33 and 32, how old are you? 32. Okay. 33 and 32. We're like... We're stuck in the way of saying voodoo, so sorry. We know, like, I guess the more politically correct ways to say voodoo, voodoo, voodoo. There's like different ways of saying. It's more it French, now. and more there's French. different spellings. Exactly. Like I always thought voodoo was just v o o d o o. That's how. Yeah, I've which seen is it. outdated and it's, that's canceled. It's canceled. V o d o u. Like the French spelling. Yeah. yeah. So we apologize if we offend anyone by our pronunciation of it. That's just. How we know it and how we're going to say it and you know us with pronunciation anyway. So for all intents and purposes, we're just going to keep it simple and say voodoo. In Hashtag chill the bear. Hashtag chill the bear. Hashtag chill the bear. Let's never do that episode again. <laughs> I think it was okay. I, I liked it. <laughs> I listened to it when I ran. I was like, yeah, I get it. Okay. Anyway, so voodoo. So this is a mixed religion, essentially, that um, was derived from Haitian slaves uh, with African roots. So a lot of people in West Africa at the time, you know, had this belief. And again, like this is a totally different continent, right, than what Western European, uh, Western Europeans had believed um, in terms of religion. So, so this was something that had a many deities. It was polytheistic. Um, when a lot of scholars are asked, like, how many deities that voodoo even has, they say, oh, anywhere from 201 to 2001. And they, mm-hmm. the reason why they always say and the and one is because there's too many deities to count. So they always thought that there was deities that were reborn, like gods that were reborn and derived from new situations that evolved over time. So every time, you know, these people encountered kind of tough situations in their life, a new deity would be created to help them cope with that situation. So it was very much like 
when they got to the New World, the Caribbean, the Americas, like they, they relied heavily on voodoo to kind of help them explain why they're in these situations. Like, why are they enslaved? Like, why are they dealing with all these hardships? Um, so, so they have many, many gods to kind of pay tribute to because all their situations are very unique and the hardship they had to endure was very unique. So that's just a little bit of background again about the, um, polytheistic nature of the religion. But it was said to originally come from, um, either the forest or the city of Benin, I think I'm saying that right, Benin, which is known as the birthplace of voodoo. Um, so this is a place in West Africa, and uh, they, they had this, again, this forest that was supposed to be so spiritual in nature that gave them all of these uh, beliefs and helped them figure out their rituals for the for the religion. So this was, again, a place where they would come back to and really, I guess, spiritually be themselves in this forest and this is this is like such a fucked up part of like what happened when slavery came about because it didn't need any more fucked up things right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but so so once slavery kind of entered africa and all these um you know people that were in in these western african tribes were starting to get captured being sent to to europe being sent to the caribbean being sent to the americas one thing that a lot of the Europeans made them do was circle what they called the tree of forgetfulness. So they literally had this tree, you know, maybe it was part deity, uh, just part uh, ritual, but they would circle it whenever they wanted to forget something bad that's happened to them. So as part of their ritual before they were being sent to these new worlds was they would make them walk around this tree for hours and tell them, you're no longer who you were. You're no longer, you know, this religion. You're no longer who you are. Now we have a new purpose for you. We're sending you off to do different things in the world. And so that is like they use their own religion against them to be like, hey, circle this tree (laughs) until you forget who you are. Um, So, again, they were then shipped off. uh, I mean, we've all heard the horrific stories of the slave trip, uh, slave boats, the slave ships to the Caribbean, to the Americas. Um, They were taken to all these new places. And a lot of people were really scared of voodooism when they came to these new places because they saw it as a threat. They saw it as a way for all of these slaves to bond together over their religion and essentially overturn their masters. So they were really nervous about this religion when they came in and they were finding a lot of ways to suppress it and say, okay, like whatever you did in Africa, whatever your your tribal uh religions were you can't do that here so every few years they in they started to mandate different things that were illegal right so like one things that a lot of the the people that practice voodoo did was they would create little carvings from wood you know and they use them to to essentially be a way to feel powerful themselves like they would create carvings they would stuff their emotions into the carvings they would extract emotions from the carvings in a way it was very cathartic and very like therapeutic to inflict whatever they were feeling in terms of pain or you know overwhelming emotions into these like wooden figures um which was again essentially the early voodoo dolls and and these these slave masters would come and they take away the carvings and then they would ban all wood carvings in general they take away their uh you know cutlery to do the carvings and do all these things and that's why the essentially puppet came about with uh voodoo dolls because they were they were easier to conceal so it's like all right well you're taking away our wooden figures well we're gonna make them out of cloth and we're gonna hide them on our bodies so we're still gonna do the same things we've been doing but you know they're not gonna be as obvious we're not just gonna have all these wood carvings around 
they even like banned their their drums, the African style drums that they had to use in their ceremonies because they said, no, 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 this is spreading voodooism. So all these like silly things every few years would be taken away from them. Um, so that was a little bit of the background. And then finally came the the Haitian Revolution in 1791. So at this point in 1791, about two thirds of all of the slaves were actually born in Africa. Again, they're still very much in this voodoo culture. Uh, you know, obviously, they hate being enslaved. They hate like all the oppression that's going on. Um, they have this big sense of anger, and they want to like really lash out against their um, suppressors. So there comes this revolution, which I think is the first like slave revolution in all of history. I've never heard of another one. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I know. It's like it's so it all was born in Haiti. They were the first ones to say, "Hey, like we're not dealing with this. Like whatever you guys are trying to do to us and our people, this is not okay." And it's silly because a lot of these um, scholars that came later, these Western European scholars, say. Oh, you know, because of um, voodoo, they sold their soul to the devil. And that's the only reason why they were successful in their revolt. Mm. <laughs> like, they weren't overpowering us. They weren't smarter than us or better than us. It's just because they sold their soul to the devils via voodoo that they were even able to uh, overthrow us Ooh, as I a like people. That. Via voodoo. Via voodoo. Via la voodoo. That's a good name for, like, a bar. <laughs> mm. Ooh. Ooh. Cool. Yeah, we'll open up a little voodoo bar in Scottsdale. Anyway, so um, so came you know this this uh, this big rebellion comes 1791, and so the first person who well actually not first I would say there's a few people like leaders who kind of come to power, but one of the most prominent people that comes to power is someone um, known as Emperor Faustine Siloque Siloque, mm. and again sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. But he came to power in the 1850s. So he was actually in power for about 12 years. Um, and he was very uh, endorsing. He, he was he was happy to have voodoo as kind of not the official religion, but very much endorsed the religion and said, okay, like, this is this is who our people are. This is what we're going to do. He practiced voodoo. He practiced voodoo, yeah. And he was a slave. And he, oh, he was a slave. Yeah, he was a slave who was formerly, well, formerly a slave. And now he's in power, obviously. Um, so, so there was a lot of mixed opinion. Like some people saw him as a very empowering figure who really spoke for this, again, like generation of slaves and who was really giving a name to voodoo in a good way. And they thought, okay, great. One of our own is, is emperor, like president. He named himself emperor. Other people, other people cool. thought, yeah, exactly. Other, other people thought that exactly what Megan's kind of laughing about. Like, okay, you call yourself emperor, but like, you're not really educated. You're not a good leader. Like, you're just kind of, you're the only person that wanted this position. Mm -hmm. Like, what what are your actual qualifications for office? Like, can you lead this country, even though he did for 12 years? So it was very easy to kind of see an opportunity to overthrow his rule. Solacroix was ran out of office via a coup. Right. By Fabre Jaffard. That sounds good. Am I saying that right? I Fabre so. Jaffard. Jaffard. Now, Fabre, he was a reformist president. He's Catholic. Mm. He is anti-Voodism. He does not like voodoo. And he definitely doesn't like Emperor Faustine. Right. Uh, and he's from the elite Catholics. He's, he's an elitist. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely parts of Haiti where there are the, you know, the elite levels, but then surrounding them and in the outskirts and the farmers, um, these are not 
Catholics. These Everyone who is in the outskirts, they're still practicing voodoo. Right. It was kind of like voodoo was the folk religion and like the country religion, but the plantation owners and the elitist were all Catholic, Catholic. or Christian. Yeah. Um, and Fabrave tried really hard to give Haiti this new rebranding that they are a Catholic country. Mm-hmm. They even claim Catholicism as their primary religion. But that was really an anomaly because they, yeah, the people be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're Catholic. But no one was really, like, the majority <laughs> of people were not practicing Catholics. They were practicing voodoo mm-hmm. and their traditional heritage and what their ancestors practiced and what they brought from Africa. Exactly. They even tried to instill something called the Negro Code. So the Negro Code was that you were supposed to baptize slaves within eight days of their arrival. So as soon as you got, you know, new slaves to the island, you as a landowner or plantation owner or whatever were expected to baptize them. But it was one of those things where, like, was talked about, it was expected, it was kind of a law, I think, but most plantation owners are like, yeah, whatever. Like, they didn't really make an attempt to Christianize them or to turn them into anything. So, like Megan said, it just kind of, like, I mean, it was it was the way it was. Like, they practiced Voodooism mostly, and no one really did anything to enforce, like, Catholic rule or Christian rule. Yeah. And when Emperor Faustine was in presidency, mm-hmm. he was so open to voodoo that there was even this one story I read where there was a voodoo priestess who was just openly sacrificing in the middle of, like, the town square. Right. And um, she was about to be arrested, and she was just kind of laughing. And she was like, oh, well, you know, she was being arrested because she's killing things in front of everyone and she's like oh basically in so many words she's she says something like well the emperor will follow me because so many words he's also practicing this and he agrees right um but yeah fabre was not about this and he was he seized every opportunity that he could find to put voodoo in a bad light and to show people this isn't evil religion this is not what we want our country to be about pagan Mm -hmm. and that's what brings us to our our main purpose of of this evening's story, the Byzantine Affairs. Mm -hmm. So here goes the story. And I'm going to kind of go into, like, the actual of what happened. And I want to start with saying that there's very limited... Information. Yeah, information and documents about this. There was no transcripts of this of the trial. There was there's not a lot of heavy information on it. And what we're really relying on is just one person's account, um, Sir Spencer St. John, who was a British charge d'affaires. Right. Who's like, like a, a diplomat. A, yeah, and yeah. Not even that, like almost like a temporary diplomat, right? <laughs> like um right. but he has the most detailed account and he wrote a novel. Or not a not not a story, but he wrote a a biography or know, some book, right? And and this is where the the gist of it comes from is his account of it. So take this all with a grain of salt because this is coming from one British white dude about right. the whole account, exactly. So Congo Palais, he was a man who lived in, in Bizotin, Haiti. And he was very poor. He was a laborer. He was a servant. He lived in poverty, and he hated his life. Mm-hmm. And he really just wanted to get out of this poverty. And he was he practiced voodoo, and he was the brother of a voodoo priestess. So his sister was Jean, 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 Jean sounds right. Yeah, um, Jean Palais, voodoo priestess. And what better thing to do? How are you going to get out of your situation? You're going to get your voodoo priestess of a sister to help you. Right. And use 
sacrificial methods and, um, you know, different voodoo practices to will your way out of this poverty right. to the point where it was such a big challenge. He's like, I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to like make ends meet. I just don't want to not be a servant. I want to be rich. Right. I want to. He was ambitious. Yeah. He was a very ambitious person. Yeah. And really quick, when you think about it, like, because when people talk about voodoo, they're like, oh, do you know the blood sacrifices that go into voodooism? It's like, well, think about any other Western religion. Like, Christianity, Judaism, you know, Muslim, like everyone sacrificed something in mm-hmm. the Old Testament. Like everyone sacrificed. It's not just a voodoo thing. Goats and you know yeah. things. So Old it's, Testament. Yeah, this Let's is look at like Abraham. This Old Testament shit. Yeah. <laughs> so December eighteen sixty three, she decides. Yes, brother, I will help you. But you have a your scale of, of ambition is more than just chickens and goats to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so they consult with two other voodoo priests. Right. And they decide, and quote, that you need a goat without horns. (laughs) Which means? A human. You need to sacrifice a human. Just sacrificing a goat, sacrificing a chicken is beyond your scope at this point for what you're trying to do. Right. It's like if you want a menial promotion, you sacrifice those small things. If you want something big, you've got to sacrifice something big. Um. And yeah, the the bigger the sacrifice, obviously, is someone who is of meaning to you, somebody who is close to you, somebody that it's truly a sacrifice in your life to lose this person. Mm-hmm. So sadly enough, Jean chooses their niece. Yes. Claire Seen, 12-year-old girl. Yes. They kidnap her. They tie her up. They, they bound her, her hands, her legs. They hide her under an altar in a temple. And she's there for four days and four nights. Mm-hmm. So she's really tortured just before even any of the actual terrible stuff happens. Great. Um, I doubt they're feeding her, giving her water. She's a sacrifice. It's pretty dark. It you is. know what? I feel like this is darker me reading it out loud than when I well, I was like – When we researched it, we're like, yeah, When I was, yeah, yeah. When I was reading it to myself, I'm like, okay, 12-year-old, they kill her. I, I get it. But now I'm like reading it out loud like this is actually really freaking dark. It is dark. Yeah. Um, they wait intentionally until New Year's Eve, 1863, which is a big voodoo night. It's, mm-hmm. um, and they do a, a ceremony. They bring her out. Here's kind of the good thing. I, I say this good again. Uh, as good as it could get. <laughs> if it were you, you'd want this to happen. I mean, despite the things that happen after. <laughs> yeah, they strangle her first. They Her, push great news. Yeah, they they hold her neck and they push down on her chest and her ribs. Mm-hmm. And she's twelve. She's small, so they strangle her. Um, there's also multiple people involved at this point. It's not just Congo and his bro- and his, his sister. sister. Sorry, yeah. Congo and his sister. But there's several family members and friends who become involved in this. And there's mm-hmm. a total of eight people. Right. At least. At least mm-hmm. from, again, just from this trial of Sir Spencer St. John's Account. rendition. Um, they strangle her first. They flay her. Oof. They decapitate her. Mm-hmm. They dismember her. They take off her hands. They cook her body. And they put her blood in a jar. Okay. And then they eat her. They enjoy her flesh. They... Eat, but this was a weird part, and, and Elizabeth's going to talk more about the actual trial, but mm-hmm. they talk about eating, like, her palms. Yeah, they said specifically her that her palms were very tasty, which is really interesting. They had one confession that came out, and again, we'll go into this a little bit about... You can go into it now. I think that's, like, really all I have about the actual okay. act of what's happening. Yeah, So, so the biggest issue with this trial is that 
most of this these confessions or any kind of evidence was withdrawn from torture and beatings as as we know like you guys have heard enough executions from us to know that like are those real? Like, that's if you're how you being, get the truth. That's the best way to do it. You got to right. torture them. <laughs> <laughs> you, you beat them for a few days. Yeah, anyone's going to say anything to get out of the beatings and the torture, right? So, so they they do all of their work. Um, the beatings pr- produced basically the evidence to say, okay, this is what happened. And there was one lady who said she was there. Her name is um, Rosidi. I think is how you pronounce it. Rosidi Samara, um, and she admitted, and this is quote from the Smithsonian Magazine article um, that says, we were eating the palms of the victim's hands as our favorite morsel. So they were <laughs> saying that, like, the, the palms of your hands were the juiciest part of the body. I, and I don't see it. Yeah. I, that's not, like, I wouldn't, mm, that wouldn't be my first That doesn't look that appetizing choice. to me. <laughs> I'd go for, like, a some, boob. Some cumin. Oh, a boob would be good, but she's also 12. Oh. <laughs> a butt. A butt. But safe for everyone. Everyone who's ever been in a, a survival situation out in the wilderness where you're faced with, like, do I eat my friends or not? The butt's the way to go. I don't, we didn't even talk about this. Um, oh. Not to, like, interrupt your – I don't want to interrupt the child too much. <laughs> the palm talk. The palm talk. Mm-hmm. But uh, I went to um, the Museum of Cannibalism. By you told me yeah, about that. Yeah, I forgot about Southern that. Southern California? Mm-hmm. Where was San it? Diego. Whoa. I, it might still be there. I don't know. It was it was in the Museum of Man, but it was like a Ooh. like a traveling okay. exhibit. Yeah. I went by myself because no one would go with me. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Sounds like me. This was, this was actually this a, before we had a strong before, friendship. This and was I before would... the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was really interesting because the exhibit was – put into different parts of cannibalism. It was basically three parts. Okay. One was the tribal, like, oh, like ritualistic yeah. purposes. Um, old, archaic tribes and different mm-hmm. cultures where cannibalism in Africa and different parts of the world, where that's just part of their culture. Mm-hmm. Not maybe currently, but in the past. Or, sure. like, different islands and they would turned to cannibalism right second part was which was super creepy was more like serial killer style like yeah. just for fun like, like hannibal lecter style oof. and then the third part was it's more like for survival. yeah more for the purpose of survival and different stories of people out on boats and the donner party and that kind of thing Ooh. and when you have to eat others for the yeah. sake of survival so anyway sorry not to like segment too much from it but I hope it that's was still there it was a super go. fascinating Check exhibit Wow. Um, but it made me kind of think of this just now about I like why that. they're – I like that. We're about to go to the Ren Fair in a couple weeks, so – Maybe I, they'll start a cannibalism section. They do have the torture museum, so maybe they sh- they should really start a cannibal museum. <laughs> if I don't know how that's Ren Fair related, but we can make it work. <laughs> I'm sure there's some overlap there. <laughs> Basically, people that love blood and torture and execution. Us. Yes, us. It's made for us. The Beheaded Museum, really. Um Anyway, so so yeah, so there there's a lot of talk about the the palms and how those were again a very tasty morsel that people enjoyed. Um, but when this woman um, Sumera she was brought to trial, she had said something along the lines of like she was the youngest prisoner, she was the youngest one who was interrogated. Weak, <laughs> weak woman. <laughs> she goes, "Yes, I did confess what you assert, but remember how cruelly I was beaten before I said a word." Oof. And I think that's really telling. It's like yeah. 
sure, anyone confesses anything. Anyone elaborates all these stories. But what happened to them to confess all of these things? So in, in so many words, I think she was saying, yeah, like I said, yeah, we cut off the hands and we ate them and they were tasty. But like, remember, I was tortured before you made me say that. Do you think if she wasn't tortured, she wouldn't like... I like I feel like the whole thing with the palms of the hands was just a, a farce of her being like, Oh yeah, sure. of course, I'm such a hardcore cannibal, my favorite part's the hand. <laughs> They're like, as a cannibal, what do you like to eat? She's like, hands? I feel palms like those are good, I guess. If she was really being honest, I think she'd be something a little bit juicier. <laughs> yeah, that's kinda true. So I think that's a, I'm not funny, but that's you know something she had said of like, okay, mm. you know, you asked me, I told you. It was the was the palms that were the tasty that's what gave us away. Yeah. Um so the, this trial continues. And what's interesting about this trial is again, it's not just like a lot of uh, the people in the Haitian elite that are here, it's it's a lot of foreign diplomats. It's Americans, it's Europeans that are all there mm-hmm. for this trial, like weighing in. And a lot of people think that, you know, because uh, this this new president, uh, Gaffron, Jafran, whatever his name is. Jafar. Jafar was there. I mean, they, they think, okay, he invited the clergy for a specific reason. He invited these foreign dif- diplomats for a specific reason. He's trying to, in front of the whole world stage, denounce voodoo mm-hmm. and say, hey, maybe my predecessor, you know, Emperor Faustine Soliloquy, maybe he was the one that endorsed this, but I am distancing myself from voodoo. I am saying that this is a terrible thing that we do. He even had a quote that said, um, and this was in 1863, the same year as this, uh, well, the trial, again, because it was New Year's, the trial was in 1864. But in 1863, he said, let us rush to eliminate the last vestiges of barbarianism and slavery, superstition and shameful practices surrounding it from our land. So he, he was very intent on making sure that this was stuffed, that this had no room in his modern government or modern society. Um, so so he came through and, again, invited all of these people to to look and witness. We do not, like, associate ourselves with this. And he called upon, again, as, as Bacon said, Spencer St. John, who was a British diplomat. And he was, like, St. John was the one to give the graphic detail of the cannibalism. Mm-hmm. He sat in front of the whole, you know, jury and... and um, and in governing body to say, okay, Clara seen this young 12-year-old girl. She was filleted. Her hands were savored. He went into graphic filleted detail. or flayed? Flayed? Did I say filleted? Both. <laughs> Both. You can fillet her and flay her. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's like all of the bloody accounts of her, you know, her murder were, were through him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who was actually there? What evidence do you have? And apparently the only real evidence that was there was apparently two like white men two like westerners that were there allegedly got into voodoo costumes and like snuck around into the ceremonies like wearing blackface and would report back and say guess what they're doing look at all these like mm. crazy rituals and they're sacrificing children and blah 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 it's like did that actually happen like who knows that's the only evidence they had was like kind of faulty mismatched accounts by some people that said they snuck into these rituals um, but again, it w- there was enough dignitaries there and, and foreign um, uh, foreign diplomats and-, and press. Press were there, too, to kind of, like, you know, comment on this event. So everyone was pressured to be like, you know what? Yes, this is now, here and when we denounce voodoo. We can't, like, practice this anymore. 
There were two official witnesses, though. Mm-hmm. A young woman and a child. Yes. Supposedly, these two people were hiding underneath another altar, I guess, in the temple. I think so. It, it said they were looking through, like, a adjoining room with, like, small openings through in the, the cracks. wall. Yeah. And it was a little bit, like... The Smithsonian article that we were reading together, mm-hmm. I got a little bit confused because at one point it sounded like they were hiding and they were there on their own free will. But then they it kind of got into it how yeah. the child was intended to be a second victim. Right. And they found her also tied under a similar altar that the first girl was under. And they were intending to sacrifice her on January 5th, which is like a big voodoo holiday. Right. It's called the Twelfth Night, which is a very specific voodoo holiday. They tried to interrogate her in court to figure out what she saw, Mm -hmm. but she was so shaken up and so nervous that they had to remove her. So the jury didn't actually get to ask her all the questions. Right. They did interrogate the other woman, young woman is all that they said was the other person who was there. Mm -hmm. Um, She confirmed that there was a feast of of Clarice. What's her name? Uh, Call her Clarice. I I think I keep saying Clarice Clarice because of... Yeah. We could call her that, but I think it's Claire Scene is her name. I don't want to don't I don't I don't want to do her injustice by changing her name. Well, we're not good with names anyway. We think we do everyone an injustice. (laughs) (laughs) She she um also confessed to eating some of the leftovers the next morning. So it's kind of like really no one's innocent here. Right. Um so much so that one of the public prosecutors says if full justice were to be served, there would be 50 people instead of eight people on the stand. Right. Like so all he, the people that were involved. Yeah, he's just saying it's really this whole community is a part of it in some way. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously family members and friends who were getting involved into this. So Right. But this, these were just the eight people who got caught actually physically murdering her and doing it. Exactly. And, and when we were researching this, too, like we found some really interesting uh, article that said – Basically, like, the voodoo sect, like, their religion specifies that you have to do these things as part of their religion. So, again, what we're going to say, take it with a grain of salt because it is not written by someone who practices voodoo. It's written by someone who's basically, like, a voodoo is an abomination, Also written in the 1860s. In in the 1860s, okay. This isn't, like, a new thing that's posted on (laughs) voodoo.com. This is not this is not endorsed by people that voodoo.org but but they they are saying that this is part of the law of the adder or serpent or basically the religion of emperor soliloquy which we talked about this is what they believe and so it's kind of written in commandment form so it, number 1 is Thou shalt adore the serpent, which is what they say is one of the main voodoo gods, is like this serpent god that you're supposed to obey. Voldemort. Voldemort. Yeah, this is, this is where Harry Potter came from. <laughs> Number two. Thou shalt blindly obey the orders which it, which is the serpent, shall give thee by the mouth of the Papaloi, his high priest. So Papaloi is the father, the high priest. Number three. Thou shalt not approach it with empty hands, so that it, may, it, that it may grant thee what thou desires. Basically saying that you have to sacrifice something to get what you want or deserve. Number four. Thou shalt never betray the secret of the mysteries. That's ominous. <laughs> Number five. It's one of my I like mantras. my commentary on <laughs> each of these. Ominous. <laughs> thou shalt dance in a state of intoxication round the holy ark of the serpent. Which they talk a lot about, you know, being possessed by the by the spirit, like to the point where it's only your raw spirit that's dancing, kind of thing. 
Number six, thou shalt sacrifice the, um, to the serpent she-goats, fowls, and if possible, children. Which I think that's interesting that they add that's that like in like a there. weird little addition. Like, that's very specific. I feel like you wouldn't write that if you were a voodoo practitioner. I feel like you'd write that if you are children. Yeah, a person trying to convict pocus, pocus these people. Like, oh, and look at their commandments. It says children. Come little children, I'll take thee away. And then number seven, thou shalt drink the blood and eat the flesh of the victim. Mm. What? So these are all in exact alignment with what they're like. Okay, you see, you see the children, you see the drinking of the blood, blah, blah, blah. So whether or not this <laughs> this voodoo sect is correct, whether if this is a real pl- you know published work of what they're supposed to adhere to, this is what was published in the 1860s. They sent this around in pamphlets saying, beware of those people that are practicing voodoo. This is what they believe. They they worship the serpent and they sacrifice children. Terrible. 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 Huge shocker. All eight people were convicted guilty. No. Mm-hmm. No. Um, they were executed on, as we mentioned, February 13th, yeah. 1864. This is how they were executed. Oof. There was eight of them. They're tied into pairs. So everyone gets a buddy. <laughs> Tie them up. Megan, There's would four you be sets executed with me if we had to. Mm, Come on, be, yeah, be my execution be, buddy. I'd be your buddy. I tell you jokes until the end. <laughs> <laughs> we would just drive the executioner crazy. They'd be like, just fucking go. We don't even want go. you here. <laughs> just go. No, we're serious. Hold on. This is the execution part. Sorry, this is I'm what the serious. whole episode is about. Okay. So they were um, death by firing squad in pairs. Here's a description from our buddy St. John about how they were actually executed. Okay. The prisoners, tied in pairs, were placed in a line and forced by five soldiers to each pair. They fired with such inaccuracy that only six fell wounded on the first discharge. Jeez. Six out of eight fell just wounded. It reminds me of the Romanovs. They had five on two. How do you miss? Like the Romanovs. I don't know. They just... Just go for it. It took these untrained men fully half an hour to complete their work. The horror at the prisoners' crimes was almost turned into pity at witnessing their unnecessary sufferings. Yeah. They were seen beckoning the soldiers to approach, and Rosaday, the one, the girl who called them all out, Mm -hmm. um, held the muzzle of a musket to her bosom and called on the man to fire. That's brutal. She's like, just do it. What's wrong with you? So we're thinking, this is 1860s, they have to actually reload their rifles and pack it. They have to pack it with the gun powder and, yeah. do, and they were all not trained so they they don't know what they're doing so they do a first round yeah. six of them it doesn't even say six of, of the eight actually die just say that six fall so there's two who are wounded yeah. yeah there's two who are still standing <laughs> that'll like, be you and me <laughs> i'm down on the ground and elizabeth's trying to hold me up i'm like mm. it's gonna be like the pirates of the execution like, you know, or Pirates of the Caribbean execution where they have the guillotine and he's going around, like, trying to avoid the guillotine. Just a botched execution. <laughs> and then it's another 30 minutes before they can actually complete it, which is That's... pretty... And they're saying people, like, were really disturbed and disgusted about their crimes in court, but at this point, they just felt pity for them. Of course, yeah. It's like... And that's how bad it was. Like, you want this person to die because you as a maybe elite 
Haitian who believes in, you know, the Catholic religion sees these so-called pagans and you're like, yeah, like, I can't believe they would sacrifice a young girl and do all these atrocities. And then you're to the point where you're like, oh, my God, like these four people, like, just, yeah, they just just finish it. Um, Really, the only aftermath we have about this trial is they redrafted what was called the code penal, which is actually, I think, still a thing. It's like a French code of. Oh, I think it is. Of. Rules, rules, laws, and oh, the French and their rules. horrible things. <laughs> um, they they redrafted it to include in there that there would be fines for sorcery, mm-hmm. you know, taking it back like three hundred years, um, right. and also public nudity, which is kind of associated with voodoo. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I mean, they like to show their body parts. Sometimes one of their gods that they worshipped was like god of sexuality, mm-hmm. so it was very much a yeah, like a yeah. publicly nude thing. I think. Anyways, um, that's our voodoo execution story. It is. Well, I was going to ask you, because you've been to New Orleans, yeah. It's been a while. It was, it, oh it, my gosh, it's been almost 10 years now that I think about it. It was like eight years ago. Okay. So what year was that? 2014. Okay, that's not that far away. I went in college in 2010 for Mardi Gras, my senior year. Oh, like, I've been really, sooner than you have. Really fun time. But I went back for my marathon. I did a Oh, little, that's right. I right before Orleans, COVID hit. Yeah, it was literally 2020. February 2020. February 2020. And like the parades were just starting. It was like yeah. the first week of the parades for Mardi Gras. And I remember you were nervous. You're like, do you think I got this co- well, coronavirus remember, thing remember, that people were talking no, about? I remember that Jake, like your husband was driving us to the airport, like me and Robbie. And like we were in the car and he was like, so... Are you guys nervous about that, like, coronavirus Have you guys thing? heard of this virus that's you, going we're around? We're like, ah, we're just going to go. We're going to have fun in New Orleans. We're going to, like, you know, have some it's drinks. It's a flu. Go to bars. Yeah, we were like, it's a flu. That was before we all knew what was actually happening. Yeah, and we're like, we're not worried. And I remember Jake was like, okay, but you're running a race, and it's supposed to, like – transfer to other people via like droplets so people are like sweating and spitting on you like (laughs) of course my husband's the one i mean i remember me and robbie were like okay like maybe i mean and honestly we did get violently sick that trip so maybe (laughs) maybe he was right but but i I love new orleans did you go into a, a voodoo shop we did so yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. There's a lot. I think They're there's legit. one. And again, I mean, I'm sure the one we went to is very touristy. I'm sure it's not like a tip, you know, like a cool hidden. Yeah, if it's shop. off Bourbon Street, it, I don't, I was gonna I don't say, know, but I'm pretty, pretty but. sure it was on Bourbon Street. And it was like when you walk in, there's like crocodile heads. Yeah, you know, which is really cool. Like I love the South, and like I've only been to a few Southern states and like experienced this, but like seeing all the cool like crocodile heads and. And there's reptiles. just like yeah, like all these like like preserved reptiles, like small crocodiles, just staring. But at they you. sell different, um, like apo- it's kind of like an apothecary a little Kinda, bit. Like, yeah, they sell like candles and crystals, and well, maybe I'm wrong with crystals. I don't know if crystals are a part of it, but voodoo. They they sell dolls. They sell can or uh, yeah, candles. So like when we're talking about like Marie Laveau, like Marie Laveau is like one of those people that mixed like Catholicism with the occult, like voodoo, you know, with Christianity, like that kind of stuff is interesting to me because I'm just like, I was raised Catholic, but I've always like obviously been weirdly like interested in this mm-hmm. stuff. So it's I'm very like, intriguing. So it's, yeah, to me, it's just like, oh, I feel like very, 
I don't know, like there's something mystical and like, you know, sacred about all of this. And I, and I'm mm-hmm. very curious to learn more and I hope to learn more. Um, anyway, but that's just how I interpreted it. I, I know for you, it was fascinating, but, mm-hmm. but your husband's a little more like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> we can't go, like, we can't go here. <laughs> Jake gets like that. I know because he actually believes in it. It's not like, same no, with yeah. like ghost, um, mm-hmm. like ghost tours mm-hmm. or haunting anything really like kind of of the mystical but also the creepy and the it's and he never says like no i don't want to be involved because he thinks it's a joke he's like no i know this is real and i don't want to get involved yeah he's not like he refused to walk into any of the voodoo stores but i went in just Mm -hmm. to like peek around and then i was like i'm just browsing things (laughs) i don't want anything i just want to look just looking just i don't know what i'm here for just browsing well same thing with like ren fair too because like we've always talked about like ooh, like there's tarot card readings yeah like you won't talk to a psychic yeah and we've never done that yet you know Mm -hmm. but yeah it's one of those things and like i guess because we're both raised in like you know certain ways christianity it's like as a catholic i'm just like ah like i'm very curious i'm very curious oh the curiosity gets me too no and it's like maybe maybe one day i will just because it'll get the better of me but i was always raised to be like don't you know don't go don't buy do not seek other um, soothsayers yeah but i am i just like again maybe if i just don't take it serious and i just like experience it as a learning kind of tool i don't know it never hurts to i think expand right and to learn for the sake like how if you don't expose yourself to other cultures right you don't want to be naive and ignorant either yeah and it truly is these are cultures and beliefs and that's why we wanted to go about this gracefully of talking about voodoo because i know people do practice voodoo to this day it yeah, is a religion it's still like prevalent and yeah. i don't want this episode to be like oh all voodooists are a cannibal child Absolutely eating not. blood sucking right this was one account um and but t- it, it ended up with eight people being executed so yeah. it's still interesting but uh but yeah so it, it is interesting that there's not a lot of like information on this because there's not two sides there's just kind of the one side the western history side um but that's what's great about history is that every decade every 20 years every 30 years every 40 years history is retold from different perspectives and i've said this on previous episodes but it's like people always think why would i write this novel or research this specific subject because everyone already knows everything about it like everyone knows about you know british tudor history everyone knows about voodoo like you know occult in west africa but it's like but do we like Every few years, you need to resurface things because new evidence comes to light. There are new perspectives. There are new people researching these things. So, like, don't ever think that just because you're interested in a certain thing and it's been researched that that research is dead. Research is never dead. Like, it always has to be revived. And if you think about it from your perspective, you walk into a library, you see two books. One's on Anne Boleyn from 1975 Mm -hmm. and one's on Anne Boleyn from 2019, you're most Nolan. likely going to do the, the the latest one because you're like, I want the most up-to-date information. Yeah. So, you know, don't don't disregard current histories or things that are rewritten because that, that matters. Like, people pay attention to things that are recent. That's my soapbox. Damn. I was going to ask <laughs> any final words, but I feel like – I had a lot of final words. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, because that, that – for me, at least, like, I was a history major in college. So – and I remember, like, looking at all these different things, like, oh, this has already been done. Like, I'm not going to do that because – so everything I w- is gonna, I'm going to say has already been said, but that's not true. But so that's all I have to say. Is I you, ain't going to ask you if you got final words. You said your final words. If you're passionate about it, you go for it. You keep researching, and there are always new perspectives to be had. And those are my final words, Megan. <laughs>
I got voodoo, I got voodoo, I got things I ain't even tried. And I got friends on the other side. He's got friends on.